Praise God. I've come a long way to let another man call me beautiful. That's all I can say. When I grew up, one man would not say to another man, you are beautiful. So, praise God. God is good. God is good. Good morning, everyone. Right. Lovely weather outside. It's a good time to be alive. Okay, today in the bulletin, uh, things keep on changing. We have to have these in by, I think it's on Wednesday. So I try and get them in by Wednesday, but then from Wednesday to Sunday morning, a lot changes. Uh, so even right now, so look through the bulletin, it's good. Um, double-mindedness, we are going to speak on that today. But I want to continue on a lot of stuff that Brett said last week and what he spoke upon, which was very good. So if you're a guest and you weren't here, go back and listen to that. It's really, really good. I want to continue along that vein. And even just about that brother that's coming in doing the 12-hour fast, you know, and Brian said, if that appeals to you, I don't know a lot of people who really fasting appeals to them. It's like, yee, let's do this. 12 hours, no food. Praise God. I don't know of a lot of people that do that. But there's so much in the Word, there's so much that we don't know of, that we are not aware of, and God is starting to reveal things that we have. The Word says, that which eye has not seen, which ear has not heard, has not even entered into the heart of man, the things that God has kept for those who love Him. So... Jesus says at one stage at the, woman, uh, at the well where the woman comes and the disciples, they, they come and they get food and, and Jesus didn't want the food and, and Jesus answers them at one stage. He says, I have food of which you don't know. And this is what this brother reveals is the food that Jesus was talking about. So once again, today I'm going to talk about pictures in your mind. When you hear a word, what, what comes to mind? So when you hear fasting, what comes to mind? We all have a certain picture. But Jesus says, there's food. I eat of stuff that you don't even know exists. There's food that gives me nourishment that you are not aware of. Wouldn't it be amazing if we, the body of Christ, could eat from that same food? So that's what he talks about. That's that 12-hour fasting where it's not not having food. It's starting to learn how to eat and get food and things that are there that the world and people are unaware of, don't even know it exists. So that's one of the things that I believe we're going to be doing in this 12-hour. So I'm excited because, man, eating food that people are not aware of, I think, is just amazing. So we're going to talk about stuff like that. I just want to start that song we sang today, and we really got into it, uh, Abba, I Belong to You. Didn't we get going? Wasn't that good? Wasn't it nice? What does that mean to you? What, what does it mean? Let's, let's really, let's, what does it mean to you when you sing and you get excited and, Abba, I belong to you? What picture comes to mind? What on the inside of your spirit, what does it mean to you when you sing and you say, Abba, I, I belong to you? Do you belong more when you do good? Do you belong less when you sin? So what does it mean when, because 
There are people that belong very well when they do good and they can enter into the presence and they can pray because of their good works. And hear me now in my heart when I say good works because they haven't done anything wrong. But then should they mess up, now they don't belong that much. They can't really go to God. There's a veil between them and the Father and His presence because of the things that they did which were wrong. So now they feel they don't really belong that much. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what does it mean when you say, I belong to you? Has he already made his mind up about you? Has he already chosen you? Has he already known the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end? He was in the beginning, but at the same time, he is in the end. He's waiting there, but he was, he's just, he's all of that. And he has already said, you are mine. I've paid for you. You bought with the blood of Jesus. You belong to me. How does, how do you belong? Do you think that you have the power to change his mind? Because a lot of us do. We enter into a relationship with him based on what we do. Instead of based upon what he has already done. So do you know how much power you must have, man? To think that the way God is going to treat you today depends all on the way you treat God. Do you think you are that powerful, really? Because a lot of people do. I know a lot of people that say, you know, I, I, I couldn't pray last night. I couldn't do this. Why? Because I did something wrong. So in other words, you change God's mind about you by the way you act. Man, you are powerful. Where, where do we think we have such power to change his mind? And he treats us according to the way we treat him. So it's all up to me and my actions. You're not that powerful. We don't have that ability. He chose you. You are here because he wanted you here. He's already made up his mind. When he hung on that cross, he knew of every single thing that you and I would do, good, bad, Better, worse, he knew it, you know what? And he still hung. He stayed there. Not because of the nails, but because of the love. When those people stood at the bottom of the cross, and they said, come on, save yourself. You're crying out to God. If you, if you, if you are, get down. Can you imagine if he said, okay, well, yeah, okay, you want that? Let me get down. Let me show you what happens now. Okay, I'll do that. But taking all that mocking and jeering and, and just and staying on the cross while they're telling him to get down. If he is the son of God, is, if he is that amazing, if he is all that, come on, save yourself, get down, you. I've already made my mind up about who you are, and I'm not getting off this cross because this is going to pay for your mind that is not renewed to who you should be and who you are. But my mind and the Father's mind and Holy Ghost's mind has already been made up, so I'm not getting down. And one day you'll be able to thank me from the bottom of your heart that I did not get down because then you will understand. Right now you don't understand, but I do, so I'm not getting down no matter what you say and what you do to me. Made up his mind. He's not going to change his mind according to what you do or don't do today. You're either in the body, the body, a saint, or you ain't. It, it, it's, 
there's two groups of people. You're here the whole time, and you know you have so many groups of people. That you're either a sinner or you're a saint. You've stepped in and become the body of Christ because you have received His righteousness. You've received His sacrifice. You've made what He did on the cross, you've made that yours. Or you haven't. If you have, great. If you haven't, doesn't change His mind about you. Doesn't change His love for you. Like Brian said, He's still, He's relentless. He comes after you all the time. It's never ending. It started in the garden when Adam made that huge mistake. Down comes the father. Hey, my son, where are you? I've already made a way out. I don't want you naked. I've already sacrificed something that will cover your nakedness. No one wants to see that. Nobody needs to see that. You can't change his mind. Don't approach him on what you did or didn't do. If you go to the supermarket today and you carry every old person's bags of uh, groceries to the car, you wash the neighbor's house, you cut their grass, you do all of that, do you go to God today on a better basis than what you did yesterday because you did all of those good works? Or do you go to God after doing all of those good works because of what the blood of Jesus has made available for you? So why would you go lesser to God if you didn't cut the grass today? Or do you still approach him after a bad day because of what the blood of Jesus has done for you? Don't let the enemy come and tell you. Don't run to God. Don't pray. Don't do that today because of your works. We hear it all the time, but how many of us do it? When you sin, run to him. When you go short, go to him. Just just go. Get in his arms. Sit on his lap, man. Just go to him. Because when he made you, when he hung, he knew you were going to do that. And he still made you. He still hung. He still stayed on the cross because of his love and his mind that was made up for you already. It does not change. That was 10 minutes on a one-minute thing that I wanted to say there, so how this happens. Yesterday, we went for a, a ride, Kelsey and Jan and myself. It's, it's called a poker run. So we go and we meet at the Harley-Davidson store and we get our tickets and our cards and it was a beautiful day. It was cold in the morning. Jan and I had a meeting and then we met Kelsey at the Harley-Davidson store and we went to Bojangles just to have a, a biscuit and a, a coffee. So now while we're sitting there, we, we, we're planning out the route that we have to ride. And Jan looks and he says, uh, I, 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 I have to confess. I'm thinking to myself, dear Lord, this is supposed to be a fun day. Please not, I, you know, I really... I can go through times in my life where I remember people saying that, and it was just, I'm like, Lord Jesus, it's really not now. Come on, man, is it not? I, we were living with people. We had friends, and I was sleeping over the one night he was going to work. This is just when we got to America, so this is about eight years ago. He leaves 5.30 in the morning to be at work, you know, early, so sleep over their place. So it's early, early, early. We're riding to work. It's still dark outside. And he says to me, Rifle, I have to confess something to you. I just got out of bed. 
I just, just got out of bed and into the car. So I'm still half asleep. And he says, man, my heart, there's something in my heart. And I, I have to confess. And I'm thinking, come on, man. Can we just? So he said, I'm driving your car. I said, what do you mean? And, and he was just, the Lord told me to give you this car. So I got to confess. God told, told that to me a long time ago, but I just couldn't do it. And the Holy Spirit won't. So I'm so, you know, I thought it was my way. I did this. I'm thinking, oh, dear God. So. In any case, so Jan says, listen, I have to, I have to confess this is, I have to. So I'm thinking, no, man. So he says, I actually thought we were going to play poker. <laughs> so I'll just quickly explain what a poker run is. It's, it's for charity. There are a couple of stops. So you ride your motorbike, then you go to another stop and you get a car, then you ride to another stop. And at the end, people hand in a piece of paper where you get stamps for each stop. And then they see who has the best hand. And then you get money. And, but you pay to ride, so all the money goes to charity. So while we're sitting having our coffee, Jan realizes, oh my goodness, we're going to actually ride. <laughs> so he says, I, I have to confess. He said, you know, I really thought we were... He said, I thought it was strange. It's such a beautiful day outside, and Rifle wants to go 9 o'clock in the morning and play poker. <laughs> First of all, Rifle doesn't gamble. He doesn't do poker. Second of all, it's such a nice day. Man, this is good. This is nice. We're actually going to go outside and ride. So I don't know who's the worst gambler because he didn't bring any cash. He just got a credit card. So I don't know who's going to sit at a poker table with a credit card and say, okay, just put this down. So in any case, we went for a nice ride. But in Jan's mind, when he heard poker run, a certain idea, a certain mental picture came to him. He had no idea of what the truth was about the day. He had no idea of the reality of what was actually taking place because of the word poker and what he saw in his mind. He had a completely different picture and idea, but it was 100% wrong. And he just said, because of our friendship and because I don't want to pass the gambling and all of this, <laughs> I thought I would go with and just see what's happening. So my question to you today is, in your mind, because we're talking about double-mindedness, double, having two ideas of the same thing, having a different choice, having another possibility, in your mind when you think about the cross, what comes to mind? Why did Jesus go to the cross, because we're talking about double-mindedness. What was his purpose? What was the reason for the king of glory to come as a man, live here on this stinking earth with sinful people, and hang on the cross? What picture comes to mind? What do you think of when you hear the word cross, death, burial, resurrection? Who was he resurrected for? For whose benefit? For whose sake? Is there a double-mindedness? Is there a, well, you know, maybe on a good day, that's what the cross means. 
on not such a good day, that's what the cross means. And there's a double-mindedness while the cross only means one thing, truth. He knew who you were. He loved you. He died for you. So you would never, ever have to think and worry and doubt his love for you and separation from you and not giving you what is yours because of your bad actions. Or do you allow yourself, do I allow, do we as the body of Christ allow ourselves to have another way? So what do we think about when we hear sinner? What does sinner mean to you? When people talk about sin and sinners and all of that, what does that bring forth in your mind when you hear that word? On the other hand, what does it mean to be a saint? I love it when people quote the book of Corinthians and all that was going on in that church. Man, they had some issues. You read the book of Corinthians. There were some things happening there that were, wow. There's nothing new under the sun. Read the book of Corinthians. Yet in the beginning of it, Paul comes and he writes to these people, grace and peace from God the Father. To you, sleeping with your, I mean, there's just temple prostitutes, people shaving hair for what we're doing, all of this. And Paul starts off and he says, to you guys that do all of this, grace and peace. Because before you got into this, because your minds are wrong, because remember Brett spoke about repentance, return to the penthouse, see from a higher place. Because you're not there, you seeing wrong. But God hasn't forgotten who you are and who he has called you to be. Therefore, even in your mess, grace and peace be to you multiplied in our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Do we hear that? Do we think of that when we see people messing up and doing wrong? Love is not, love is not, love is, love is. Do we give that to people when they mess up or do we stick to the first couple of chapters there? He's not changed his mind. He knows who you are and your bad choices cannot make his mind be changed about the love that he has for you. Are you double-minded in that or are you, this is who I am, that is who he is, this is what is mine because of what he did for me. There's no double-mindedness there, not at all. A couple of other words here. What do you see in your mind when you hear the word forgiven? Is that maybe forgiven for an hour? Maybe for two days? Or does forgiven mean all trespasses, all sins have been taken care of already? Forgiven. Forgiven. Or does forgiven mean 10 minutes? 20 minutes, or does forgiven mean forgiven? Are you double-minded? Am I double-minded when I do something wrong? Am I forgiven because of my actions, or am I forgiven because of his actions? What does forgiven bring to your mind? How about this one? I love this one. I love this verse and, and what it means to me, but I just... I don't love it, but I am 
flabbergasted, befuddled by people who use the same verse and word for people who come short. And that is no condemnation. What does no mean? Condemnation. Therefore, because of Romans, what it says before this verse, before from 1 to 7, because this is 8. Therefore, because he died, go and read all the previous. Therefore, there is now. When is now now? Now is always now. Now is now. But if I go two minutes later, now is now now. And two hours later, now is going to be. And two months later, now never change. Now is now. Therefore, there is now. When is now? Now is now. There is now. There's no condemnation for those who what? Who are in Christ Jesus. But I hear people, condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. In the church, condemnation. You, you should, you shouldn't, you do other. And man, we are the body. And the word says no condemnation. So my question is, is there double-mindedness concerning no condemnation? Or we need a little bit of condemnation. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation. Just a little bit for those. What are we living? What are we living? You see, there's the law. There's the old covenant. There's finger pointing. There's all of that. But man, Brett said last, and I'm going to quote him all the time. It's, it's so good. He says, and we've been trying to get this across now. You would do much more for God and Jesus and Holy Spirit and your fellow brethren and the body of Christ when you're not under law but you're free. Because of love you do stuff, not because of law. I can tell you my wife sitting over there, she does so much for me. I can, God is good to rifle because of who he is. But he gave me Tiffany as my wife. She does so much for me. That she doesn't have to do. If she just did what she had to do because of the paper that is stamped in South Africa, stamped in Taiwan, that we are married by law, we are united, we are together by law, she really, really doesn't have to do much. You know that. Marriage paper, signed, you married. What does that paper mean? By law, you married. So you should only be with her, you're not allowed to... Uh, when you got married, is all your stuff yours, or is there half-half? Should you divorce? Blah, blah. It, it, there are very little things that you have to do to just fulfill the marriage license. Doesn't have to every Sunday morning wake up and make flapjacks for the two boys in her life. Doesn't have to do that. Doesn't have to make lunch. Doesn't have to clean the house. That's not written in the marriage license. That's written in her heart of love. She does that for me, not because the marriage license says she has to. She does it because she loves. So when I have a loving relationship with Jesus because of everything he did for me, there's very little that I really have to do if I just want to follow the do this, don't do that, do this. But man, when I know what he has done for me and the love that he has for me, wow, I want to do so much more than what I have to do because how can I not? How can I not? Do you know what he's done for me? You have no idea. I can sit here and tell you testimony and story of the goodness of God till 
the end of the year and I won't have enough time. Why would I not love him? Why would I not? Why, why, why? Because I do have a law. I've got to love the people next to me in church. <laughs> love my neighbors. I love myself. I've got to do that. Why would I not? And you have that Jesus. So when you hear no condemnation, is there double-mindedness in your life? Or is there, man, you know what? I slipped up, but praise God. Thank you for no condemnation so I can run into your arms. And I can sit on your lap when I messed up and say, thank you that that is not who I am. You didn't call me to be that. And you love me through this so that I can change who I am and my actions to be the person and position that you have placed and called me to be. I'm way off scripture. I'm completely, I'm. Here's an example. Nathan, one Monday night, Tiffany goes to the healing room. So I look after Nathan Monday night. I'm studying stocks. I'm doing stuff. And the next thing I hear this huge bang. I think I might have said this before, but they're new people here. I hear this bang in the lounge, and it's not a good bang. And I'm thinking, do I go through? Do I just leave it? You know, what happened there? And Nathan comes through, and he said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And I, oh, my goodness. So I go through. So he climbed onto the TV cabinet trying to get the DVD right on top and pulled the cabinet with the TV, the DVD down, bang. And I've said, how many times do not climb on the cabinet? It's not for... And as I'm ready to go, Holy Spirit says, if you do this now, he came to you. If you shout and scream and throw your toys out of the cot for the way you feel inside of you right now, he will not come to you again when he messes up. He will not trust that you love him and care and want to help him. He will hide things from you. Be careful how you treat this situation and circumstance right now. So I had to lift the TV up, nothing broke, and put the DVDs back. And I said, that's why we don't climb on the TV. Can you see what can happen? Bad things. It's not that I don't want, but stuff like this can happen. And it was just in that moment, and Holy Spirit said, no, because this is going to have repercussions later. So when I mess up, can I go to him and say, Abba, I belong to you. I did it again. Or do I run away and say, Abba, I did it again? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Which one is it? No condemnation. What picture is there in your mind? Is there double-mindedness? Unconditional love. What does unconditional mean? You see, we are good with dictionaries, and we understand what words mean. But in your life, what does unconditional mean? Does it mean when you make a mistake, it's still unconditional? Or does his love now become a little bit less when, 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 when you mess up? It's not as unconditional today as it was yesterday. Because yesterday you did well. Today you're not doing well. So it's a little less unconditional. Or is it unconditional? He loves you because he is love. What is unconditional in your mind? This verse, so many times, the one sacrifice that Jesus brought for all, once for all, 
once for all. See, so without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The blood was shed once on the cross for all, for all time. It doesn't matter how bad you or I messed up, there's not going to be another sacrifice. Because there was once the sacrifice for, for all. And sometimes the enemy comes on the inside of us thinking, what can I sacrifice? What can I do? How can I get back? What do I need to do? But there was once for all. Is there a double-mindedness of man? I need to do some. I need, I, 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 because I, I, all. Wow, thank you for, for, for what you did. You did one sacrifice for all, and I run to you because of that sacrifice. What picture does that bring? Is there a double-mindedness there? I didn't put this up. Um, Zach, if you can find these verses, please. John 17, verse 20 to 23. While he's looking there, I, I think about this. I often do. Where, where are we seated now, according to the book of Ephesians? Where are we seated right now? In heavenly places? In Christ Jesus. Is that right? Okay, that's what the Word says. So now, people talk about, you know, losing salvation and sin and all of this. And So my question is, I think about this. and If you do wrong and you do bad and you don't obey and you do all of this, does he remove you from him? Are you now not the body anymore? You, you're not in Christ because we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when you make a mistake, does he remove you out of him? My question is, where does he put you at that stage? <laughs> Just literally thinking. If we are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, when you make a mistake, where does he put you? Are you put out of heaven? You're not in heaven. How, how far away from heaven does he put you? Or do you stay seated in him in heavenly places no matter what? Because he's already paid and he's made the way for you. The veil has been torn between the outside and the inside. You are in. How? But sometimes people feel oh, so they did this, so how, how, far is he, how far is he? Wow, that was a big sin. That was just a small sin. So the small sin maybe is just a meter away from Jesus. Man, that guy did that. He's a kilometer away. That guy did that. Woo, that's at least five miles. But people have this. The enemy comes. And how? So are you the body? Are you one with him? Or are you... Double-mindedness. What are we living? Yeah, John, we found it. Jesus now. Do you believe that Jesus prayed anointed prayers? You believe that the Father heard his prayers? Do you believe Jesus prayed something that the Father or Holy Ghost said? Uh, uh, whoa, now. That's no, 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 no. Uh -uh. You have no idea what they're going to do next week. It's easy for you standing there. You just there, but we see, we, we looking from a higher, next month, you have no idea what they're going to do. No, no, no. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? 
but sometimes in our thinking, that is, look at the prayer of Jesus here. I do not pray for these alone, for, for the disciples standing there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You know that you and I are the believers because of their word? So he's praying for you and me, us, today in this building. This is the prayer of Jesus. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, himself uttering these words. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Look at the person next to you. And we look and we see different hairstyles, different colors, different clothes, different... And he's talking about, whoa, on the inside, you're not even looking at the right thing. That they, they, they will be one. Because the book of Acts says, from one blood, from one blood, all people were made, one blood. So many times when you look at our neighbor, we're not even seeing what he's talking about here. Therefore, Paul writes, he says, from now on after this, we know no one according to the flesh. Jesus speaking, that they would be one. I knew that they also may be one in us. Who's praying this? Do you think his prayers were answered? Do you think God heard every faithful prayer that Jesus prayed? So when are you going to be removed? When are you not going to be one? When are you going to be on the outside looking in? What would cause you to be greater than the sacrifice of Jesus? What would make you so powerful that that was not enough? That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me. Jesus saying I, Jesus saying I in them. Where's Jesus right now? In me, he's all, he's in heaven, he's, he's all, but he's in me. I, praying to the Father, just before he goes to the cross, let them know, blah, 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 that I, in them. And you, in me. So, who's all together, just having one amazing time? Jesus, Father, me, you, us, it's, just, it, it's good. It's good. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made. So, your attention, what comes to your mind when you hear a purpose? And do you usually have a different meaning of purpose when you hear a purpose? So that they may be perfect in one. Get this, and have 
better? How much does the Father love you? Just as much as he loved Jesus. Oh, wait now. That's in yeah, 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 all the... Is there double-mindedness there, or are we living according to what the Word says is truth? How much does the Father love you as much as the Father loves Jesus? Not my words. <laughs> they in red in my Bible, meaning Jesus spoke this. Can we sit just for a minute now and just receive the love that God has for you, which is how much? The same, exactly the same love that he has for Jesus. Close your eyes and just thank him. Close your eyes, take a minute. The love that is poured into you right now is the same love that the Father has for Jesus. Paul writes in the book of Philippians, he says, if anything is good, if it's holy, if there's any virtue in any, he says, meditate on these things. That's what we just did for 20 seconds now, as we meditated on the things we should. And if you meditate on those things, I mean, the amazing things that Paul says will happen to you. So let's meditate on those things. See how Jesus says, just as much as the Father loves Jesus is the love that he has for you and I. When does that change? Never. Doesn't change. The love that the Father has for you, the love that Jesus has, love that Holy Spirit has for you, it doesn't change. It's the same. You do not have the power. I do not have the power to change his mind. Therefore, Paul can write to the, all the churches. They all had, I mean, some doing better than others, some having more issues, but to everyone... Where it says, this is from Paul, he says, grace and peace be unto you. Starts the letter off like that. In other words, it doesn't matter where you find yourself right now. There's more grace. There is peace from God towards you right now. That's good. That's not being double-minded. Double-minded. Peter getting out of the boat in the storm. Jesus walking on the water. They cry out. Jesus says, okay, you know, come to me. He said, Lord, if it be you, beckon me to come. What is Jesus going to do? Not, not, not say that because it is him. So, okay, come. Didn't say Peter, he said come. So Peter steps out. Peter is walking on water. Single-mindedness, looking at God, looking at Jesus. Doing the impossible. Single-mindedness. What does double-mindedness mean? More than one, another way. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts what? Paying attention to something else. And what immediately happens? Gluck, 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 gluck. <laughs> Goes down. Why? Double-minded. See the wind and the waves? They were there when he walked on water. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It was there. But his focus, his mind, his eyes, everything about him was looking at Jesus who beckoned him to come. 
And as soon as he looked away, as soon as he got double-minded, in other words, there he is, but. There he is, but. And so many times, there he is, but. We look at what the enemy is doing and saying, look, look, look. And Jesus is, before he even goes down, his hand is there. Come on, man, this is, look how good you were doing. You were walking on the water until you took your eyes off. Come on. And he pulls him up. Didn't let him go down just for a bit of tough love. We understand tough love. We all tough love, man. Okay. Any moment now. Ten, nine, eight, set. No, before he went down, love. Unconditional love. Pulled him up. And if he doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what? When we make mistakes, unconditional love is there saying, come on, man, that's not you. Look what you did. You were walking. Wow, you kept your eye. You did well. But now you're going under. You're going to have another chance. Late in life, you're going to have another chance. Just keep your eyes on me because I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the things around you. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. Don't look at the mess around you. Don't look at the good and the bad. Keep your eyes on me, the author and finisher. I've started it. I will finish it. It's my faith that you're living by, Galatians 2.20. So just keep your eyes on me. But while you're going under, let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try again. Until you as the body get this right. Last week, my seat was taken. So I had to sit in another seat. I sat there in the front, and this just, it was so amazing. Lindsay was sitting here, and Brett was speaking. How long have you been married? 13 years. I don't want to get too personal now. Have you made mistakes in your marriage? Okay. Very little. Have you always been the husband of husbands, husband of the year? No. And Lindsay was sitting there, and Brett was talking, and I could not take my eyes off of Lindsay because of the way she was looking at Brett. It was the most amazing thing. And energy, love, compassion, joy, honor, reverence, respect was flowing from her being. And I just sat there and I, I just, I could not look at anything else. I just looked at her and her eyes were just here. Wherever Brett moved, she was there and she was smiling and laughing and looking at him. I'm sure they sleep in the same bed. They live in the same house. They raise the same children. She sees him every day, but she saw him for the very first time. She saw him like a honeymoon bride looks at a husband and couldn't take her eyes off. And she was so proud. And she was just so in love. What is Lindsay to Brett? She is the bride. What is Brett to Lindsay? The bridegroom. What are you and I to Christ? The bride. And when we can look at Jesus... Like Lindsay looked at Brett, 
couldn't take her eyes off of him, was just shining and radiating. When we can see Jesus for who he truly is and what he has done for us, we won't be able to take our eyes off of him. And energy and love and light and honor and respect and joy will be radiating from our being so that everyone that looks at us would be astonished at but you've been saved for 20 years and you still can't get enough you still like a little honeymoon phase married couple that's yes because he's just that good there is no double-mindedness in me he is the alpha omega beginning the end the king of kings the lord of lords my lord my savior creator of the he he's all that he's beautiful he's that's my jesus And that's when we as the body can stop double-mindedness and keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Things will happen. But we as the body sometimes still have double-mindedness. And therefore, let's go to uh, James chapter 1. Maybe verses 3 to 7, Zach. Uh, this, this talks about asking wisdom from God. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. Have you ever gone to God asking for wisdom, believing you're not going to get it? Because of what you have not done? Yet the word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to who gives to all. There's no, who gives to all, who do this, who don't do that, who, who, who gives to all. Who gives to all just a very little bit because he doesn't have much to spare. <laughs> There's just enough to go around. So don't ask for too much now. Who gives to all liberally and without Reproach. What does that mean? Without reproach. Well, you didn't do that, therefore you can't. You did, so you can. Without reproach. But how many times, just answer to yourself, do we go asking for wisdom, believing, man, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe. Yet the word says, he gives liberally to all without reproach. Therefore, when you go, just ask and believe. Without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. What is doubting? Double-mindedness. I'm coming to ask wisdom on the basis of what I did yesterday, what I didn't do. Maybe, well, you know God. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. We've got all this stuff. But the Bible says when you go, believe by faith. And he gives liberally without reproach. We can't be double-minded. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Have you ever watched the ocean? Have you ever as a kid tried to catch a wave? Stood in and just when it comes, you, uh, you can try until you're 90 years old. That wave you will not catch. This is what double-mindedness does. 
trying to catch something that comes, and then it's there, and it's coming, and I'm going to, and, and, and then, then it's gone. Okay, let me try again, and, 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 and where did that go? And, and you're trying, and you're grasping, and you're trying, and there's energy that you're giving out, and nothing's working, nothing's happening, and at the end of the day, you leave with nothing. You're just tired, and you burnt out because you tried so hard. You tried instead of receiving For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow. We serve a mean God. There's something up with this God. Man, I'm trying so hard. This is amazing. I'm doing all of these things. I'm doing, I'm doing, and he's not giving. Yeah, you know what the Bible says? There, the Bible says, don't, don't think that you'll receive anything from God. It's not saying that. It's saying when you are double-minded, and now you can go into the mind, chemicals, beliefs, certain things that happen, neurological pathways. When you hear the word poker run, (laughs) where you're believing and you're thinking one thing, but it's completely not what you're thinking. Whose fault is it when you arrive at something and you're like, oh my goodness, I never knew it was this. Well, that's strange because all the other 99 people that did go there understood, so... So it's not God withholding. It's the mind not receiving. And that's faith. Hebrews 11, now faith is now. When is now now? I'm not going to do that whole thing again. (laughs) Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Haven't seen it yet, but man, it's mine. How do you know? Because I'm going to ask him. He liberally gives without reproach if I'm not double-minded. Because he can't give. And then the word, it goes on, it says that he's unstable in all his ways. That's amazing. Unstable. Double-mindedness causes you to be unstable in all your ways. Phew, that's big. So we can choose to have a mind stayed on Christ, stayed on the Word, one in Him, me in Him, He in me, the Father in us, unconditional love, no condemnation. That's my relationship with God. So when I go to pray for someone to get healed, I approach that person and the basis of my prayer on one thing alone the cross of Jesus and the stripes on his back. That's all. When I go and give someone a word, when I have a message and people say, that was amazing, how do I approach that circumstance? By one thing only. The blood of Jesus, the sacrifice, his love for me and what he's made available to me. That's what I do for Christ. That's how I approach everything. And there's no double-mindedness, there's no... Maybe he will, no, that's double-mindedness, unstable in all his ways. So, how much in Christ are you and I today? Man, the Bible says that we have become one spirit with the Lord. What does that look like to you? Let me put another, another word picture here. When you hear the word millionaire, Do you see your face next to millionaire or someone else? Just quickly, when I say millionaire, did you see somebody else? 
or did you see yourself? Because you see even Epic this weekend, and so we need money to make this gospel go out and get people discipled and people fed and people getting Bibles. It's going to cost money. So why can't God make you a millionaire so that you can do that? Why does it have to be other people? Double-mindedness. Me? God can do that through me? Let me ask wisdom, James. Lord, how? How am I going to liberally, without reproach, or my family, we never, I can't, you don't know, no job, no double-mindedness. Which one is it? But I'm talking today about righteousness. When you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what picture comes to your mind? When the kingdom is on the inside of you, when you walk into a room, what picture comes to mind? When Jesus said, man, there's things, there's food out here that you're not even aware of, what picture comes to mind? Is that food just for him? Or does he long and desire for me to know about the food that people don't see and know? So I believe he wants me to know, so I'm going to go after that. Not there yet, far from it, make mistakes, all of that. But man, I know it's mine. He wants me to have it, so let's go after that. I'm going to do what I can. He's always leading, always guiding. I'm in him, he in me, the Father in us. It's good. Let's go. Double-mindedness. Can't have it. The cross settles it all. The cross is what determines the love of Jesus for you and I. Not circumstances, not how good or bad things are going. The cross. That's it. End of all discussion. So when we can get to a place where Lindsay is looking at her husband, when we can see Jesus like that because of everything he's done for us, and we are single-minded in our view upon Jesus and what he has done for us, we're going to start moving. Because the word says creation is groaning for what? The manifestation of sons and daughters. When we get that revelation of who we are, and there's no double-mindedness of who we are, that the creation is groaning for us to realize what we are, who we have, the power we carry, the forgiveness we walk in, the love that's ours. Creation is going to be growing, and creation is going to, this is what is right. This is, I mean, earthquakes, tornadoes, typhoons, all of these things. Creation is waiting for us to step up and say, no more. Stop that in Jesus' name. But we have to be so singly minded on the love of God and what he has for us. I didn't preach really what I wanted to teach, whatever, but I just, God is good. There's no other mind concerning that. Just that. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you today for speaking to our hearts. Thank you that we could come today and hear more of your word. And thank you that we can get rid of certain thoughts, that we can get rid of certain pictures, ideas that have been planted in our minds through wrong believing, wrong thinking. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you quicken, make alive the word which is already sharper than any two-edged sword, that it would cut out of us that which is not right. 
and that it would leave just that, Lord, which brings life and light and love so that we can let our good light shine, that we would do our good works so that people will see them and that you may be glorified. Help us to keep our eyes on you, our most beautiful Jesus, that we never remove them to look at the storms, to look at the waves, to look at the wind, but that we keep our eyes stayed on you because you are the author. You gave us faith. It's a gift. It's grace from you. We receive it. But not only did you give it to us and we live by your faith, but you perfect that in us as well. You are the author and you are the perfecter. So we thank you for perfecting that which you have placed in our hearts. Thank you for this word today. May it blossom. May it bring forth a hundredfold in our lives so that people around us will come to the marvelous light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, we thank you, we bless you. And we are single-minded concerning the love and the plan that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team can come up if you need prayer or want a question answered or just hands laid on you or any good word. Come forward, we would love to pray and share with you. Go out and be marvelous.